Hola and welcome to Catholic View. I'm Sheila Pitch. Thank you so much for joining me this Friday evening. Coming up in today's feature, I'll be talking to Archbishop Buti Tlachali about the role of youth in the church. But first, as usual, we begin with some of the stories that made headlines in the Catholic Church and in Africa. So do stay tuned. Hi, I'm Archbishop Peter Wells, Apostolic Nuncio. Thank you for listening to Radio Veritas, the good news for a change. In your headlines this Friday evening, Portugal awaits Pope Francis. Trump to meet Pope later this month. And NBA opens African Academy. Good evening once again, I'm Sheila Pirish. As Catholics worldwide unite in praying the Novena to Our Lady of Fatima in preparation for the centenary celebration of the Marian apparitions of Fatima in Portugal, Monsignor Duarte da Cunha, Secretary General of the Council of European Bishops' Conference, says that many people have started walking to Fatima from different parts of Portugal and have started preparing themselves spiritually for the Pope's arrival. Yes, there's a lot of excitement and fears fear that there is no place for everybody. <laughs> I hope that many people will go, even if we know that we will not arrive at the shrine properly, that we will be closed. So we really hope many people go. I think the impact of the, of the presence of the Pope and of the celebrations of the center and of the canonization of Jacinto and Francisco will have important impact in also in the faith and in the, in the church and the communities. Many people are going by foot already, walking from different parts of Portugal, also preparing spiritually for the moment. All Portuguese are very proud of the fact that Our Lady appeared in Fatima. We see that the connection of these three facts is very, very important. The 100 years of the apparitions, and this is a long story, and it's, everyone is preparing for this. The image of Our Lady pilgrimage image has passed over all parish in Portugal and schools, Catholic schools and hospitals. So there was a huge preparation, and so the center is very, very important. Now, Connected with the Pope visit, this is also growing even more the, the expectations. And now the annunciation of the canonization of the, three, of the two, Jacinta and Francisco. I think the connection of these three events are really engaging Portugal at the, all, all the levels, even at, at the government, when, even when the government is not at all Catholic. Even today in the church, there are people who use rigidity to cover their own sins. This was the warning that Pope Francis made in the homily of the Mass celebrated this Friday in the Santa Marta Chapel. Commenting on the first reading taken from the Acts of the Apostles, the pontiff spoke about the figure of St. Paul, who as a harsh persecutor became meek and a patient announcer of the gospel. He was rigid, the Pope commented, but he was honest. Jesus had to condemn the rigid who were not honest. 
Francis went on to say that other people use rigidity to cover up weaknesses, sins, personality disorders, and use rigidity to assert themselves over others. The Pope noted that soul, grown in this rigidity, cannot tolerate that which for him is heresy, and thus begins to persecute Christians. At least the Pontiff said bitterly, "Soul left the children alive." Something that doesn't happen nowadays. May the rigid follow the path of Jesus' meekness, concluded Pope Francis. Later this Friday morning, Pope Francis greeted members of the Pontifical Romanian College or Collegio Pio Romano on the occasion of its 80th anniversary. Vatican Radio Lydia O'Kane reports. This Roman Pontifical College has been training seminarians from all over the world for eight decades in the Eternal City, and on Friday, the Pope, on this auspicious occasion, had two wishes for those present. The first was to preserve memory, and the second to cultivate hope. Speaking about the former, the Holy Father said that by tuning into one's ecclesial memory, which he added lives through the events that each era presents us with, you will be helped to overcome dangerous temptations that may arise, such as settling for mediocrity, settling for a normal life, where one jealously guards their own time and their own well-being. The Pope described their college as a place where seminarians train as if they were in a gym in order to give their lives for the good of others. On the theme of cultivating hope, Pope Francis said there was so much need to nourish Christian hope, that hope that gives a new outlook, capable of discovering and seeing good, even when it is obscured by evil. Concluding his address, the Pope had a special greeting for those present from the Pontifical College of Saint Ephrem, which provides lodgings for those student priests of the Arabic language from all of the Oriental Catholic churches, and who are welcomed by the Pontifical Romanian College Pio Romano. The Pope said that by meeting you, I think of the situation in which there are so many faithful in your lands, many families who are forced to leave their homes in the face of waves of violence and suffering. I want to embrace these brothers and sisters in a special way, together with their patriarchs and bishops. The Holy See has confirmed that American President Donald Trump will travel to Rome to personally meet Pope Francis during his first international trip as a U.S. president. Trump has now added visits to Israel, Saudi Arabia, and the Vatican to his originally planned May trip. He will continue with his schedule by attending a NATO meeting on Thursday, May 25th, in Brussels, Belgium, and will then go to Sicily for a G7 summit on Friday. During his newly announced trip to the Vatican, he will also meet with Secretary of State Cardinal Pietro Perolin and the Secretary for Relations with the States, Archbishop Paul Gallagher. With this recent addition, President Trump will now follow in the long line of past United States presidents, who have all met with the head of the Roman Catholic Church. Still, with news from Trump's presidency, many religious leaders viewed President Donald Trump's executive order on religious freedom, which he signed in a White House rose garden ceremony on May 4th, as a step in the right direction. In a ceremony for the National Day of Prayer prior to signing the executive order, Trump told the assembled religious leaders that his government is taking big steps to protect religious liberty, and he assured them the government wants. Stand for religious discrimination. Here is Vatican Radio's Lydia O'Kane. As it was clear that the bill to repeal Obamacare had got through a first big hurdle, the U.S. president was greeted by applause by supporters. 
With Thursday's 217 to 213 vote, Republicans obtained just enough support to push the legislation through the House, sending it to the Senate for consideration. But it is by no means certain that this legislation, called the American Health Care Act, will pass in this chamber as Republicans hold a slender 52 to 48 majority and where only a few Republican defections could sink it. Speaking after the vote, the U.S. president said that Obamacare was dead. We suffered with Obamacare. I went through two years of campaigning, and I'm telling you, no matter where I went, people were suffering so badly with the ravages of Obamacare. And I will say this, that... Uh, as far as I'm concerned, your premiums, they're going to start to come down. We're going to get this passed through the Senate. I feel so confident. This win in the House marks a turnaround in fortunes for the Republican Party. In March, attempts to repeal the health care plan failed after Republicans did not have enough support to have a vote. But since then, it has gone through a number of revisions to make it agreeable to moderate and conservative Republicans. Around 20 million Americans are covered by Obama's 2010 Affordable Care Act, and according to Democrats, repealing it would mean stripping insurance from the poor and giving tax breaks to the wealthy. And on to African news. A UN peacekeeper has been killed in Mali after a base operated by MINUSMA, the UN stabilization mission in the country, came under attack in Timbuktu. The assault took place on Wednesday on MINUSMA's camp near the airport in the northern city. No group has claimed responsibility, but the region was occupied by extremist militias in 2012, and UN troops are enforcing a fragile 2015 peace agreement. It is the deadliest place to be as a UN peacekeeper, with more than 100 killed in the past four years. UN spokesperson Stefan Dujeric has more. One peacekeeper from Liberia was killed and nine were wounded. Eight of them were evacuated to Bamako. Peacekeepers have reinforced the camp's protection and deployed aerial reconnaissance assets to identify the zones from which the shells were fired. The UN mission condemns uh, the attack in the strongest terms and calls for the perpetrators to be brought to justice. Grave violations against children by the terrorist group Boko Haram are continuing with large numbers brutalized, killed and maimed. That's according to the UN Secretary General's report on children and armed conflict in the West African country, released on Thursday. Matthew Wells reports from UN News. The Boko Haram insurgency, which began in 2009, has led to conflict and terror across the whole Lake Chad region. But it began in northeast Nigeria, where the region's boys and girls have suffered hugely, says the UN chief's first report on children and armed conflict in the country. It documents the impact on children of the deteriorating security and humanitarian situation between 2013 and December last year. Here's UN spokesperson Stefan Dujaric. Virginia Gamba, the special representative for children in armed conflict, says that Boko Haram has inflicted unspeakable horrors upon the children of Nigeria's northeast and neighboring countries. During the reporting period, attacks by Boko Haram on communities and confrontations between the groups and security forces resulted in at least 
3,900 children killed and 7,300 more maimed. Suicide attacks became the second leading cause of child casualties, accounting for over 1,000 deaths and 2,100 injuries during the reporting period. The report makes several recommendations besides condemning the Boko Haram insurgency in the strongest possible terms. It urges the Nigerian government to put an end to the recruitment of children by the so-called Civilian Joint Task Force, a group of vigilante militias which sprang up to fight Boko Haram. It also calls on the Nigerian authorities to ensure that children with alleged associations to armed groups are treated as victims, including 68 boys detained since 2015. They should be immediately released and reintegrated, says the report. An estimated 16,000 people have sought refuge in the cathedral compound of Wau, South Sudan, to escape the violence that is spreading through Africa's youngest nation. Although the cathedral cannot supply adequate food, lodging or sanitary facilities for the displaced families, thousands flocked after being driven from their homes, as it wasn't safe anywhere, said Father Germano Bernardo. And finally, the National Basketball Association opened its first training academy in Africa on Thursday in a push to expand its presence on the continent and prepare more African players to enter the league. National Basketball Association Vice President for Africa, Amado Gallo-Fal, told reporters in Senegal's capital, Dakar, that the academy is part of a push to expand recruitment worldwide and follows three academies launched in China last year. Two more are slated to open in India and Australia. A Senegalese sports development program in partnership with the NBA has already produced professional players including Minnesota's Timberwolves center forward Georgie Dieng. The number of international players in the NBA has been increasing with a record of 113 on opening night rosters for the 2016-17 season, but most are European with only 14 from Africa. And those were just some of the news that made headlines in the Catholic Church and in Africa today. You're still listening to Catholic View on Radio Veritas, 576am, otherwise on DSTV Audio 870. You can also listen to us, of course, via the net. Simply log on to our website, radioveritas.co.za. Right now, though, it's time for our feature, and today we take a look at the role of the youth in the church. Thursday, the 4th of May, marked the start of the Novena to Our Lady of Fatima. In honor of the centenary celebrations of the Marian apparitions of Fatima in Portugal, Pope Francis will lead the evening recitation of the Rosary and celebrate Mass at the Shrine of Our Lady of Fatima on May 12th and 13th. The Pope will make the two-day pilgrimage to the site where Mary appeared to three shepherd children on May 13, 1917. The apparitions continued once a month until October 13, 1917, and later were declared worthy of belief by the Catholic Church. The Pope will also canonize Jacinta and Francisco, making them the youngest saints in the Catholic Church. Now, the Archdiocese of Johannesburg is also ready for the grand celebration in honor of the centenary celebrations of the Marian apparitions of Fatima in Portugal. 
On Saturday, the 13th of May, Archbishop Butitlachali, together with Monsignor Spani Macalia and other priests, will celebrate a special Mass at the Cathedral of Christ the King around 11 a.m. In a conversation with Archbishop Butitlachali about the importance of this feast day, His Grace highlighted the fact that Our Lady spoke to children, and therefore youth have a special role in the Church. I think one would like to highlight uh, Lucia dos Santos, um, Francisco, and Jacinta Marto. Uh, these are children, shepherd children, uh, who have been favored with an encounter with Our Lady. One of the things which I would like to highlight is that Our Lady spoke to children, and therefore youth have a role in the church. They they shouldn't be ignored or put at the back of the church on the balcony, but in fact that they have they have throughout the ages played a pivotal role in communicating with the supernatural and in prom in promoting the prayer, in promoting the rosary. Uh, today we enjoy their legacy in the sense that all over the world, people pray the rosary. All over the world, people go on pilgrimages to venerate, to um, offer devotions to Our Lady. And that's the legacy of young people. And, uh, and that's something which we need to highlight today, that today young people have a role to play in shaping our faith, in bringing us back to the faith. Uh, just like, if you wish, like the youth of 76 who brought a big change to this country, I think young people should continue to play that role in supporting the faith, in being examples of faith. You don't have to be 50 or 70 years old to be a model of faith. And, and, and these three children were very comfortable, even though they were harassed, they were called liars, uh, with the, the apparitions being called a comedy, being called a fast, being called a hallucination. They, they, never, they were never discouraged by that. They never ran away from that. They stuck, their guns, stuck to their guns, and uh, to this day we are being strengthened in our faith when we read their stories. And so celebrating 100 years is a moment of... of of reflection, of renewal, um, and if you think at the time, uh, Portugal was in war, uh, Portugal was in um, turmoil, but so too was Europe because of the war, and somehow or other their message uh, of faith has never died down. Today, when one goes to some of these places like Fatima uh, and other places, Medjugorje as well, um, People are strengthened in their faith when they go there and see thousands, hundreds, or even a million people gathering together, venerating Our Lady, recognizing her as a major intercessor, uh, so that she becomes the shortest route to Christ, as it were. Um, I think it's a marvelous story. It's a moving story in the modern history of the Church. Uh, so Fatima, uh, as we celebrate it, uh, as we will be celebrating it next weekend, um, 
he has a strong message not just for people in Portugal but for Catholics throughout the world that something happened which we should cherish and and that is part of the reason why we ourselves here in the diocese are looking at creating a shrine developing a shrine in order to give ourselves and our community our diocese an opportunity of coming together um, to gather around the shrine of Mary so that hopefully we too can begin to share, even though we're far from Fatima, but in our own way, share in the happenings of 1917 when the three children experienced the presence of Mary in their lives so that we too can sense in a different way through Our Lady the presence of God in our lives. And so it's a momentous opportunity of reflecting on that and therefore creating a shrine in our diocese also means that we too would like to gather amongst ourselves where two or three are gathered in the name of God, He is present, and begin to sense truly uh, the presence of God in our lives uh, through an event um, like remembering the apparitions of Mary. At the same time, when we talk about the youth, you know, that they need to come to the front, they need to be acknowledged. One thing that Pope Francis said recently is that the youth needs to pray, that the youth should pray the rosary. Now, with a feast like this of Our Lady of Fatima coming up, and never mind the fact that there's the feast coming up, but in ordinary day life, how do we encourage the youth to actually pray the rosary, pause for a moment and pray the rosary? Actually, I think, I think one of the contributions of, of Fatima is that you actually have these three children who are praying every day the rosary. And if they have been able to do that, and, and I think this also gives us an opportunity to tell their story to tell their story so that it becomes a source of inspiration to other young people uh, and so that they would also want to emulate, imitate these three children. And there are many other, other children who have experienced um, the apparitions of Our Lady in Europe begin to, to look at their lives, their life stories, and imitate them and see at the end they, they were fulfilled as young people, as persons. They were fulfilled in the sense that, and they flourished. They flourished in the light of their faith, their childlike faith, but strong faith. And they flourished and were fulfilled and were happy in their lives. And this is what one wants to encourage young people. And the other thing, you become fulfilled when you realize your potential. Let's say uh, young people have to stay in school so that they have a profession so that they can they can be able to fulfill their own needs, the needs of their own family, but also religiously, that they be fulfilled in their faith, so that their faith become a source of strength for them to pursue their professions, their career, etc. So I think those things go together personally. They go together. You Once you are strong in your faith, you remain focused. And therefore, you work hard to achieve your goal, to achieve your dream. And, and that is one, what one wishes for young people, to be strong in their faith, to be focused, to be driven, so that they achieve 
their goals and become what they want to be in life rather than rather than just living a life that is not fulfilling i think it's important that once you are grounded in your faith your faith should help you achieve your goals and this is what we learn from this three seers children seers of fatima but how do you put this into practice when it comes to youth, young people? I mean, we live in a world that is ruled by modern day technology, that is ruled by drugs and alcohol. How do you instill this mentality in young people? I don't know. I think from time to time you gather young people together and discuss this thing so that they too may be able to pick up the message. And that is why I'm saying that the, the, the Feast of Fatima allows us to tell the story of young people so that those who listen to the story, who knows, might be moved by this story and might want to imitate them. And I, I think it's important to have organizations of young people who will sit together, reflect, and hear what the concerns of young people are uh, at a practical level because we are all at different stages or we run at different speeds. Uh, it is important to listen to young people and hear where they are at and be able to encourage them in their dreams or make sure that each one of them has a dream because many young people, you'll be surprised, don't have a dream about their own future. They are like a leaf on a wave in the sea, uh, buffeted around by water. But that shouldn't be the case. I think in spite of the upheavals, in spite of the different attractions, one should remain focused. And so the only way of doing that is by gathering them together from time to time to discuss these things, to pray about these things, to have them share uh, their feelings on these issues so that they don't, they don't lose hope, so that they are they are able to gather their own thoughts together and, and be encouraged in a, encouraged by others as well who are struggling, who might have challenges, but are not prepared to give up the difficulties they confront as young people. And so it's important at a practical level from time to time to gather young people together, have youth days, have youth occasions where they are able to sit down and share with others and, and be inspired by other young people who are focused on what they want to achieve. And also, I guess that on on weekends, during Mass, daily Mass, maybe our own priests can also remind the youth about the importance of prayer, the importance of being focused in life. Maybe that's something also that we need to look at as a church, where we have priests that are constantly reminding young people of what life is. Yeah, I think not only priests, but you should have, we've just been talking about women in the church, their role of leadership. That's right. I, I think you need you need women to take leadership with that. I think you need, for example, your son Anne's sodalities, for example, to take under their wing young girls, young women, and begin to inspire them about how they should go about their own lives, how, what, is, what should be important in their own lives. Uh, so you need men, you have a, a Catholic men's forum, they should take under their wing young people, youth, so that, um, so that they serve 
as a guide to young people, serve as parents. It's not always easy to talk to your own parents, but you can talk to other adults about your life. They too are parents and will take the place of your own parents in discussing the things that are of importance to you uh, and directing you in your life. So yes, the priest can do that, but I also think that if you have in each parish a youth organization in each parish, then you have a you have a possibility of reaching out towards youth in a variety of activities and going to youth and going to sports and going to doing a variety of activities, but but keeping them together. I think it's essential that young people are kept together so that they don't get lost, as it were, and uh, so that you actually have occasions where you where you create programs for them of interest to them. And uh, and in that sense, you keep them together so that they don't get they don't get lost and take to drugs and take to other things simply because they 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 are idle and don't know what to do. So if you keep them together, make sure that they stay in school. I think that's one of the most important things. Uh, even if they are interested in sports and all sorts of other things, but they should stay in school for their own sake. School, in many ways saves you from being lost and and therefore I think outside school the church can play a role of keeping young people together of inspiring them of, of teaching them about prayer of sharing them about prayer of confronting their own doubts at one point or another we all have doubt about the supernatural and 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 putting before them the witnesses of many other young people who are very strong and very successful so I, I think it's important to do that well, Your Grace, thank you so much for your time. I certainly look forward to hearing all or other to listening to your homily next uh, weekend during the centenary anniversary celebration of Our Lady of Fatima. It will be a pleasure. Thanks, thanks for having me. Thanks. You've been listening to your Friday's edition of Catholic View, a program produced and presented by Sheila Pish for Radio Veritas. Should you wish to get in touch with me, feel free to send me an email, Shayla at radioveritas.co.za. I'll be back again on Tuesday evening at the same time. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you and ciao, ciao.